This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Steve Brown. The Age of Reason by Thomas Paine. Part 2. Section 3. The evidence that I shall produce in this case is from the books themselves and I shall confine myself to this evidence only. Were I to refer for proof to any of the ancient authors whom the advocates of the Bible call profane authors, they would controvert that authority, as I controvert theirs. I will therefore meet them on their own ground, and oppose them with their own weapon, the Bible. In the first place, there is no affirmative evidence that Moses is the author of those books, and that he is the author, is an altogether unfounded opinion, got abroad nobody knows how. The style and manner in which those books were written give no room to believe, or even to suppose, they were written by Moses, for it is altogether the style and manner of another person speaking of Moses. In Exodus, Leviticus and Numbers, for everything in Genesis is prior to the time of Moses, and not the least allusion is made to him therein. The whole, I say, of these books is in the third person. It is always, the Lord said unto Moses, or Moses said unto the Lord, or Moses said unto the people, or the people said unto Moses. And this is the style and manner that historians use in speaking of the persons whose lives and actions they are writing. It may be said that a man may speak of himself in the third person, and therefore it may be supposed that Moses did. But supposition proves nothing, and if the advocates for the belief that Moses wrote these books himself have nothing better to advance than supposition, they may as well be silent. But granting the grammatical right that Moses might speak of himself in the third person, because any man might speak of himself in that manner, it cannot be admitted as a fact in those books that it is Moses who speaks, without rendering Moses truly ridiculous and absurd. For example, Numbers, chapter 12, verse 3. Now the man Moses was very meek, above all the men which were above the face of the earth. If Moses said this of himself, instead of being the meekest of men, he was one of the most vain and arrogant of coxcombs. And the advocates for those books may now take which side they please, for both sides are against them. If Moses was not the author, the books are without authority, and if he was the author, the author is without credit, because to boast of meekness is the reverse of meekness, and is a lie in sentiment. In Deuteronomy, the style and manner of writing marks more evidently than in the form of books that Moses is not the writer. The manner here used is dramatical. The writer opens the subject by a short introductory discourse and then introduces Moses in the act of speaking, and when he has made Moses finish his harangue, he, the writer, resumes his own part, and speaks till he brings Moses forward again, 
and at last closes the scene with an account of the death, funeral, and character of Moses. This interchange of speakers occurs four times in this book, from the first verse of the first chapter to the end of the fifth verse. It is the writer who speaks. He then introduces Moses, as in the act of making his harangue, and this continues to the end of the 40th verse of the fourth chapter. Here the writer drops Moses and speaks historically of what was done in consequence of what Moses, when living, is supposed to have said, and which the writer has dramatically rehearsed. The writer opens the subject again in the first verse of the fifth chapter, though it is only by saying that Moses called the people of Israel together and then introduces Moses as before, and continues him, as in the act of speaking, to the end of the 26th chapter. He does the same thing at the beginning of the 27th chapter, and continues Moses, as in the act of speaking, to the end of the 28th chapter. At the 29th chapter, the writer speaks again through the whole of the first verse, and the first line of the second verse, where he introduces Moses for the last time, and continues him, as in the act of speaking, to the end of the 33rd chapter. The writer, having now finished the rehearsal on the part of Moses, comes forward and speaks through the whole of the last chapter. He begins by telling the reader that Moses went to the top of Pisgah, that he saw from thence the land which, the writer says, had been promised to Abraham Isaac and Jacob, that he, Moses, died there in the land of Moab, that he buried him in a valley in the land of Moab, but that no man knoweth of his sepulchre unto this day, that is, unto the time in which the writer lived who wrote the book of Deuteronomy. The writer then tells us that Moses was 120 years of age when he died, that his eye was not dim nor his natural force abated, and he concludes by saying that there arose not a prophet since in Israel like unto Moses, whom, says this anonymous writer, the Lord knew face to face. Having thus shown, as far as grammatical evidence applies, that Moses was not the writer of those books, I will, after making a few observations on the inconsistencies of the writer of the book of Deuteronomy, proceed to show from the historical and chronological evidence contained in those books that Moses was not, because he could not be, the writer of them, and consequently that there is no authority for believing that the inhuman and horrid butcheries of men, women, and children told of in those books were done, as those books say they were, at the command of God. It is a duty incumbent on every true deist that he vindicate the moral justice of God against the calumnies of the Bible. The writer of the book of Deuteronomy, whoever he was, for it is not an anonymous work, is obscure and also in contradiction with himself in the account he has given of Moses. After telling that Moses went to the top of Pisgah, and it does not appear from any account that he ever came down again, 
he tells us that Moses died there in the land of Moab and that he buried him in a valley in the land of Moab. But as there is no antecedent to the pronoun he, there is no knowing who he was that did bury him. If the writer meant that he, God, buried him, how should he, the writer, know it? Or why should we, the readers, believe him? Since we know not who the writer was that tells us so, for certainly Moses could not himself tell where he was buried. The writer also tells us that no man knoweth where the sepulchre of Moses is unto this day, meaning the time in which this writer lived. How then should he know that Moses was buried in a valley in the land of Moab? For as the writer lived long after the time of Moses, as is evident from his using the expression of unto this day, meaning a great length of time after the death of Moses, he certainly was not at his funeral. And on the other hand, it is impossible that Moses himself could say that no man knoweth where the sepulchre is unto this day. To make Moses the speaker would be an improvement on the play of a child that hides himself and cries, Nobody can find me. Nobody can find Moses. This writer has nowhere told us how he came by the speeches which he has put into the mouth of Moses to speak, and therefore we have a right to conclude that he either composed them himself or wrote them from oral tradition. One or the other of these is the more probable, since he has given in the fifth chapter a table of commandments, in which that called the fourth commandment is different from the fourth commandment in the twentieth chapter of Exodus. In that Exodus, the reason given for keeping the seventh day is, because, says the commandment, God made the heavens and the earth in six days and rested on the seventh. But in that of Deuteronomy, the reason given is that it was the day on which the children of Israel came out of Egypt, and therefore, says this commandment, the Lord thy God commanded thee to keep the Sabbath day. This makes no mention of the creation, nor that of the coming out of Egypt. There are also many things given as laws of Moses in this book that are not to be found in any of the other books, among which is that inhuman and brutal law, chapter 21, verses 18, 19, 20, and 21, which authorizes parents, the father and the mother, to bring their own children to have them stoned to death for what it is pleased to call stubbornness. But priests have always been fond of preaching up Deuteronomy, for Deuteronomy preaches up tithes, and it is from this book, chapter 25, verse 4, that they have taken the phrase and applied it to tithing, that thou shalt not muzzle the ox when he treadeth out the corn, and that this might not escape observation, that they have noted it in the table of contents at the head of the chapter, though it is only a single verse of less than two lines. O priests, priests, ye are willing to be compared to an ox for the sake of tithes, though it is impossible for us to know identically who the writer of Deuteronomy was, it is not difficult to discover him professionally, that he was some Jewish priest who lived, as I shall show in the course of this work, 
at least 350 years after the time of Moses. I come now to speak of the historical and chronological evidence. The chronology that I shall use is the Bible chronology. For I mean it not to go out of the Bible for evidence of anything, but to make the Bible itself prove, historically and chronologically, that Moses is not the author of the books ascribed to him. It is, therefore, proper that I inform the reader, such a one at least as may not have the opportunity of knowing it, that in the larger Bibles, and also in some smaller ones, there is a series of chronology printed in the margin of every page for the purpose of showing how long the historical matters stated in each page happened, or are supposed to have happened before Christ, and, consequently, the distance of time between one historical circumstance and another. End of section 3